0: Well, the trade deadline has come and passed for the Texans and today on the bullpen we're going to be talking about all of the action or the lack thereof. Welcome to the bullpen. I am James Roy. This is my partner in crime, Tom Chavaria. How are you doing
1: today? I'm good. I'm good. I got the rockets. I got the gym and I got laundry in the back So we're good to go. Wow, you're just doing it all. Doing it Try all right now. Every day. Master of
0: multitasking. Well, right here on, on this broadcast, which is one of the many things Tom is doing right now. We'll be talking about the trade deadline. The Texans didn't really do anything. At the trade deadline so we'll see if there's a lot to talk about i personally have some things to talk about i i'd like to start off it's, it's kind of a big concept to tackle which is that in my opinion right the texans when they traded for will anderson we're gonna we're gonna reach back to the draft when they made the move to trade up for will anderson the texans traded their own pick to the cardinals to move up that was widely viewed as a bad move because they said that the texans we're not a good enough team to win uh, very many games this year and that they traded the better pick to get Will Anderson. Um, I, not, not necessarily the case right now, at least from what we can tell um, it may be slightly better than the Browns pick. We'll see how the season works, but it, the move at the time was very much viewed as a win. Now move. It was the Texans, uh, Nick Casario stepping out and saying, Hey, we're going to win games this season. Like we don't, think that trading this pick is a bad idea because trading a top three pick for Will Anderson in next year's draft didn't seem like a good idea, but like a mid first rounder? Sure, yeah, send that as part of the deal. So looking now, the teams typically at the trade deadline are looking to make a move to add that one piece so that they can you know, make their case as a contender. I think most Texans fans will tell you that while playoffs are in the realm of possibility, that they're not expecting a, a, a contender this year, and so I think that it was interesting to see how surprised some fans were that the Texans didn't make any moves, considering that they they weren't necessarily perceived to be a contender. But at the same time, previous moves the Texans have made are win-now moves. So what do you make of this? Is this a, a contradiction? Do you feel like there's a way to make sense of, of the progression of events
1: that has led us to not acquiring any talent at the trade deadline? The way I look at it, And, and it hasn't, it doesn't have a lot to do with that Will Anderson move as much as it has to do with the fact that they're, they're going to be huge players in free agency. They have a ton of cap space. And when you think about the draft capital that they had to give up to get Will Anderson, not so much the first pick, but just all the other subsequent picks. I think draft capital for Nick Casero is at a premium. And while there was some great talent available that he could have had that probably could have added to this roster, some of that talent will still be available in free agency. And if you told me I can get the guy, I just got to wait six months to do it and I don't have to give up, I don't have to part with a pick to do it. It's probably smart. I think also a lot has to do with the fact that this is an evaluation period for this team, right? So a lot of the players that we're looking at Right now, are guys they're going okay? Is this a piece that I can build with, or is this a piece that I gotta, you know, maybe I can I can use it, but it's not a foundational piece. Maybe I need to go out and get a marquee name for that position, that sort of thing. And I feel like in the end, it was just easier to evaluate now and then go spend the money than to part with the draft capital and give up on that evaluation period to try to win now. I I agree
0: with you, and and to speak to players that will likely be available in free agency. A lot of Texans fans are frustrated that the 49ers gave up a third round pick for Chase Young. Chase Young would be a great addition to this pass rushing group. Um, there is the question of where he fits because of how good G- G- Gernard's doing, how, how much Will Anderson impacts the pressures on the quarterback. Um, so with that platoon rotation, they're all three starting caliber players to some extent who, who rides the bench for the first couple of drives and how that rotation works. But, um, with that being said, there's a reason that the 49ers paid a third round pick for Chase Young, and it's quite simple. Chase Young is likely to be a free, he's he's slated to be a free agent, and the likelihood that the 49ers lock him down into a long-term deal, with that being the compensation for him, is not high. A team doesn't, you know, the, the Redskins, or sorry, not the Redskins, the Commanders, formerly known as the Washington football team and the Redskins, um, do not give up Chase Young for that draft capital unless they're of the impression that you know he's going to be a rental to whatever team he goes to. So they're essentially paying a lower price to get less of Chase Young, and they'll they'll have a good chance to re-sign him. But with with Nick Bosa across from him being one of the highest-paid defensive tack or defensive ends in the league, I just have trouble believing that the 49ers can give him the money that he's going to want if he performs to the level that they would want him to in order to keep him. I don't know. How do you feel about
1: that? I feel like the draft capital was equal to, like you said, a rental. It was, I can't guarantee you that he's going to sign with you. It's going to be one of those things where either you're going to be able to keep him something of that ilk, but the, the, the chance that he could leave is why you don't have to pay such a high price. So that's kind of like the whole, I, I always thought that a third, fourth round pick could get Chase Young. People looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, man, the guy's going to be a free agent. So if you're going to have to pay a first, second round pick for this guy you and then pay him, like that seems like it's really steep. And yeah. he's coming off of a knee injury. So you add all those things together and it just makes sense that this was a win now move for the Niners. The Niners clearly don't care about traf- draft capital, C, Trey Lance. and They've got a really good team, a really good chance to get get to the Super Bowl. Why not push all the chips in and go get a guy like Chase Young? I think you could have been had for any team for a third-round pick because you think about where the Niners are probably going to be picking. It's not a high third-round pick. The Texans' third-round pick is going to look way better than the Niners. I mean, yeah, I agree with you, and so that's why I think that that
0: move made sense. It's it's why Montez Sweat from the same uh, commander's team went for a higher draft pick than Chase Young did. Aside from the fact that Chase Young also has his injury history, there's a lot more going on with that, and and there's a reason why he was had for that pick and why I'm not surprised the Texans weren't in on that necessarily. Now, to, to speak to the free agency, the, the one of the big reasons I think the Texans for went uh, trading at the trade deadline is because the cap opens up so much in this off season. Have a lot more room to work now. Last off it did open up significantly, but we're, like we're getting leagues more cap space in this next off season. And the other part of it too is is that with this, um, now they they gambled on themselves here. But with the way that C.J. Stroud has played and the way the Texans team has shown to have potential and has just be missing pieces, we're now no longer looking at a situation in free agency where like the Rockets with Fred VanVleet having to pay the you know our team sucks. Will you please play for us? Tax. Um, or like Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks was paid 90 mil and that's because the Rockets just, you know, were not a team that was going to, you know, want, get him to come there for a cheaper deal because there's the balance between money and winning and what you desire to do. So, you know, D'Amico took what he could get with getting Jimmy Ward over and Nick worked his magic with a, a really good deals with like Dalton Schultz. And then, you know, we look at this next off more cap space and more goodwill with, with, team or with players in free agency wanting to come and play for you, I think is, is a huge reason why I didn't really expect to move at the trade deadline personally. I mean, do you think that I have a valid point there?
1: I do. I do. I I, I don't look at it the same way I look at the Rockets. I mean, I won't get into it because this is a Texan podcast. I think, I think they had to spend money and they had no one to spend it on. All their kids are kids. And I could, I can say that at my age, which is weird and I don't like it, but, <laughs> Uh, they're all 21, 22, 23. So they 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 didn't have any contracts. They were able to give Fred and give uh, Brooks large deals because they had to spend the money because they're, those are the rules of the league. You have to spend so much money. Where in the NFL, you don't have to do that. And I think another thing that I want to point out too that you, you brought up the, the trade, the Will Anderson trade and how the team kind of bet on themselves. I don't know and I don't think we're going to know that the Cardinals would have took the Browns pick. A lot of people made it seem like the Texans chose that. I'm of the mind that that was like a sticking point. No, no, no. We want your pick because we are betting that y'all are going to be bad or worse than the Browns, I should say. And that wasn't up for discussion. I think if the Texans had it to do and they had it to be their choice, they would say, oh, yeah, here here's Cleveland's." But it may work out that it works out that they have an equally – Similar pick, a better pick,
0: who knows? I mean, I like to think that Nick Casario is this like mastermind that was like, actually, we'll give you our pick. And the Cardinals were like, wait, we thought you would only give up the Browns pick. No, we'll definitely take your pick, yeah. (laughs) But I I do agree with you that that likely what happened, because a lot lot of people misconstrue the trade package that was given for Will Anderson Jr. When you look at it, the Texans gave up the 12th overall pick in, in the 2023 draft, and then they gave up, um, the, their pick in the 2024 draft. And so a lot of people say that they gave up two first-round picks for Will Anderson Jr. But when you look at that trade, they gave up a second-round pick and a first-round pick. They didn't give up a, an additional first-round pick because the 12th pick was what they moved from to number three. That's a pick swap. That's not a direct, you know, here's a pick for nothing, right? So the Texans definitely, I think, did not – Looking at next year's class, it makes sense for them to pay what they did for Will Anderson, believing that he's the closest to a finished product that's coming out of, of college in the next couple years and maybe not trusting the, the edge market and free agency and wanting that young piece on defense to build around. So I think the move 100% made sense. I, I have no problem with it. Um, I There was a lot of people. I mean, obviously, as someone who would like to have more young players to be excited about, like I was like, well, we could have had this, that, and the other, could have, should have, would have. But I'm not mad. I've never been mad at that trade or that pickup. But I do think that it's important important uh, to discuss when discussing um, that why the Texans didn't make moves at the trade deadline. And so, uh, with that in mind, how do you how do you think that this affects the view of Nick Casario? Now, generally, a lot of people are, are kind of like, "Hey, like, what is your plan?" Because I don't know. I don't understand it. Um, do do you think? Do you think, one, do you think Nick has a plan going on up there? Do you think he's thinking like we're talking about and he's like, well, I, I got free agency, you know, nothing materialized on the trade. There was, wasn't any clear trades. And because, because one, I, I, I'm going to take a little divergence here. The Texans cap space right now is not conducive to making any trades. It would, it would take a, a leaving player of, of a significant cap hit to create the space. That would be necessary. You can't like give up a third-round pick for Chase Young and have the space for his contract. It's just not there. So it would take some reworks and, and a lot of other work, which is another reason why I didn't think that they made moves at the deadline. Um, But that being said, question is one, do you think that Nick is, is thinking that far ahead? Do you think he has a plan? And two, do you have any faith that it's going to work out?
1: I have total faith. You have to have faith. If not... Then you're you're signing up for three, four, five years of of bad football. So you have to believe that between the team of D'Amico, Ryan's, Bobby Slowick, and Nick Sario, they have a plan. I truly think that what their plan is is to evaluate what they have, and then go from there and make adjustments as needed. I think as you get closer to a finished product, as you get closer to seeing, you know, the smoke clear and seeing exactly what they want to be on offense and on defense, then they start to make the move similar to what the Niners are doing, where you add pieces that, that totally change your team, like Christian McCaffrey, like uh, Chase Young, that make you from very good to elite. And I think they know that they have two years of, of probably progression this year and the next to try to mold this team into something that becomes a contender. And that's where I think you'll see the, the 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 third year is normally where you see a GM and a head coach be graded, be evaluated. Okay, you've had two years, clean house, pick your players, pick your pick your groceries as as the great ability. Parcells, right? Used to say? Uh, Yes. And and then, okay, where are you? So I really think two years from now that's when the evaluation or or the expectation should commence. Right now, they're just trying to evaluate and then trying to see where they can make moves. And this free agency was a little too soon, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. Do you think that Nick Casario. So you talked to about the two to three year plan. Do you think that Nick Casario's clock resets with D'Amico and that he gets that grace after having had the opportunity to hire two separate head coaches? Like, is is he moving forward with this team? If if early on it appears that this is not developing the way that they want it to, do you think they move on from Nick quickly, or do you think that him and D'Amico are tied to
1: one another? I think Casario's clock has reset. And I'll tell you why I think that when you go back in time to when he came on the scene, he had a mess with the cap. They had expensive players. They had, you know, a quarterback that was dysfunctional and the two head coaches that he hired were more of like bridge coaches. You never saw, you never thought either one of those guys was a long-term solution. And if you did, you were kind of fooling yourself. And I'm not taking anything away from either of those guys. I'm not saying they can't ever be guys. But they were all handsomely paid to kind of, like, guide the ship until it got to where it needed to go. All right, this is where we part ways. We got the guy of the future now, young, stud, defensive coordinator. Those guys were just kind of game managers. Now I think they got franchise pieces in D'Amico and CJ. I think now is when you put the onus on Nick Casario to start to make moves that improve your ball club before it was about managing space and seeing if you could find a guy, a diamond in the rough type thing. I don't think that you can really count those two seasons against Nick Casario because of all the work he had to do to clean up the mess that was made before he got there.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of people discount what he's done for the organization as just being his job um, without looking at how hard his job was set up to be relative to what it should have been based off of moves that were made prior to him arriving. So I do I do see your point there. I could see a situation where the Texans are like, you know, this is your one. If deep into next year, it doesn't look like there's any progress being made and, and they start to question his vision. He to me. He is uh, definitely protecting D'Amico. I think that if there was ever any doubt about what this team's doing and the product on the field doesn't reflect what Cal wants it to, uh, the first person out is, is Nick. He has the shorter leash of the two. Um, I certainly think that I agree with you that with the two head coaching hires that he did make prior, they were very obviously bridge guys as much as you may have wanted them to work out. You know, looking at Lubby Smith, thank God Lubby Smith worked out for week 18, you know, for just half a second, even though it wasn't what most people wanted at the time. Um, but I, yeah, I do agree. I think that Nick's clock to some extent has reset. Um, and I, I do also agree with you to talk back to the previous point that you kind of have to have faith that he has a plan um, for multiple reasons. One of them being that, you know, he is he is the guy there, there's no end point in sight of, of Nick. Or Nick's reign as, as the GM um, as much as some people might think there is. It turns out that the rumblings on Twitter um, early on are not really indicative of how the organization perceives him as a GM. Um, I, I, I Another topic I'd like to broach, kind of trade deadline related, kind of Casario related is, is that the Raiders cleared house. They had McDaniels and then their GM I believe was also a Patriot Way guy. So realistically the last you know, branch of the Patriot Way that exists outside of New England in the NFL, as far as I know, I could be wrong. Uh, is Nick Casario, and so his success, I don't think revives the Patriot Way, but it would be the, one of the only success stories that that entire branch has if he works out. But I feel like, now correct me if I'm wrong, that Casario would have to step outside of the Patriot Way, like this off season, for him to, to do what the Patriots would do and just like sign a bunch of no-names and hope that things get better and not utilize the cap space the right way would be a disservice to what this team needs. So I think that the Patriot way is dead in a way because Casario either continues to follow it and falls off or this offseason we see the Texans make big moves with the big money that they have and improve as a team. Do you, Do you think that I'm off base there.
1: I, I just, I think you see kind of the Patriot way of the, like the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years. And I think in order to understand what Nick is doing, you probably got to go back further. You got to go back to the beginning of the thing and how the, the genesis of it kind of got going where I believe that this, this is exactly how it went. They cleaned house. They started over. Then they added piece by piece by piece. Then they just worked on maintaining. Think Astros circa. 2015. You know what I mean? uh It was one of those deals where got rid of all the old contracts, lost 100 games three years in a row, and then started bringing up all their young talent and then started signing or trading for guys and signing guys to kind of like help with that young talent. You know what I mean? I see the Texans doing a lot of that. I think that there's going to be some holes. I think you're going to maybe see a splash here or there. Then you're going to see them draft a little bit. Then you might see them invest in some of the guys they have in house. You talk about Dalton Schultz. You talk about some some of the guys uh, in the trenches. Maybe they invest there. Who knows? Yeah, and Dalton Schultz is, is an interesting talking point. This Texans tight end group in
0: general just needs a little help right now due to injuries and other you know shortcomings. But Dalton Schultz has been a bright spot. He has he has started. Uh, he has progressed more towards what I thought he was going to be at the beginning of the season as his time has gone on. Um, it was interesting to see how he was used last week. Um, I don't want to talk too much about that. I'm I'm over it. I've moved past it. But um, I, I mean, Dalton Schultz on a one-year, nine million dollar deal. That's that goes back into what I'm talking about with you know getting Dalton Schultz as a free agent potential to. He's already been on the team and trying to get him to re-sign to a nice big deal when you have the cap and when you've already seen him play on the team and when he's more likely to really want to be there instead of just. It felt like he kind of took the one year nine mil because he wasn't getting what he wanted in free agency. Now he can get a slightly better deal, but he's already on the team and the likelihood of retaining him is there. So, I mean, I, once again, I go back to, my my thing is, is that the Texans are becoming an organization that people are going to want to play for. And so I think that unless what has happened so far, which I'm not going to go off one loss, you know, losing to the Panthers is disappointing, disheartening and unacceptable in a lot of ways, but, this is a young rookie team and we'll see them slip up in ways that are as bad if not worse than that probably throughout the season but if this team continues to play to their potential for a good chunk of this season we're going to see a lot of people that you know that are premier marquee free agents think to themselves oh the Texans have cap space and the potential to put me in a championship sign me up let me play for the Texans oh you mean that's like when Tyree Hill was offered 76 mil by the Jets but he was offered 70 mil by the Dolphins it's like no brainer. You go with the Dolphins there. That's the far better situation, at least at the time it was. And so, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I like where this team is, and I think that the trade deadline went well f- for the fact that they didn't do anything. Because I, unless there was some perfect situation where some really no name but perfect fit player became available for a really low draft pick, um, there was not really a high odd or high likelihood. That the Texans were gonna make a move anyways. So do you have any final thoughts on on the trade deadline before we wrap this thing up?
1: I really wish they would have made a couple moves. There were some young players out there They could have been had Chase Young. I would have loved to have seen in here for half a season to see what he would look like. And if you parted it with a third round pick, then you parted with a third round pick. I think it would have gave you the inside track on re-signing him. You would have got a chance to to experience, you know, the D'Amico Ryan. Experience, I'll call it that. uh I still think there, there's a good chance that they could go after somebody like him in free agency. Obviously, we'll have to see what Grenard looks like. I mean, because either you're either you're paying Chase Young or you're paying Grenard. You're paying one of them because I believe he's he's coming up on time to get extended. That kind of thing. Well, and and why not? If, if this team doesn't view themselves as a, a you
0: know a deep threat, a contender per se this year, why pay a third round pick for Chase Young? To have him for this part of the season and then re-sign him. When, if someone's paying a third-round pick for him, he'll likely test free agency. So then you can go into free agency, and if you still want him, you can sign him. And then you're in your year of like, okay, this is the first year where we reasonably expect to contend. And now we have him just for that time instead of paying. And you still have that third-round pick so that Nick can inevitably use it to move around and trade up for some player that no one thought we were going to pick. Um, who turns out to be really good. So at least yep. that's the hope.
1: The other thing I would have liked to see them do, there was a couple offensive linemen that moved around, low low draft capital uh, swapped out to get them, and I mean we've talked at length about the offensive line and and how it's been like a revolving door. I don't think you can have too many people protect your franchise quarterback who you're sending out there week in and week out. So if you could have bolstered that, I probably would have done that too. Just because the last thing you want is, is somebody come flying around the edge or a missed assignment and he gets injured and then you're like stuck. So
0: in that vein, I I can tell you, I'd agree that the Texans should have picked up a true left guard so that they could bump Titus Howard back to right tackle. But yeah. Any other
1: thoughts? That's all I got. Go Texans.
0: All right. Yeah. Obviously a short episode since, you know, the Texans didn't really give us a lot to talk about. (laughs) Um, in terms, as it pertains to the trade deadline, but overall, there was some, around the league, some pretty interesting moves, but it was a pretty tame trade trade deadline in general, so other content creators across the NFL sphere were probably having trouble coming up with anything interesting to talk about at this trade deadline outside of Trace Young, so thank God Trace Young was applicable to us so that we could talk about it anyway. (laughs) Um, But on that note, thanks for joining us today. This has been the bullpen. I've been James Roy. That's been Tom. Tom is Third Coast Tom on Twitter. I'm M1 Texans fan. You can find us there. Um, always talking Texans all the time. Just, you know, because that's what we love to do. Go check out the Rockets game or something. Or, I don't know, go go download the PSF app and download it and follow us on there, too. That, that would be really great. Um, but until next time, thanks for tuning in. And uh,
1: vamos, Texans!